0: hello and welcome to the aj on the line podcast this is your dutch grand prix review amongst other things we'll talk about other things again we were just busy with a lot of other talk last time the dutch grand prix in which the home fans were happy because max verstappen won mercedes were close to winning so my bold prediction wasn't that stupid joseph And surprise, surprise, Ferrari had a little bit of a blunder when it came to strategy and pit stops. Um, But do stay with us, even though none of that is really surprising, uh, because we're talking to Joe and we're talking to Jimmy, and they're usually rather entertaining and insightful. That's why we speak to them. How are you both doing? Who's the insightful and entertaining one of the two of you?
1: I'd say I'm probably more entertainment, cheap entertainment. Joe's more sort of hardcore analysis. Do you agree with that, Joe?
2: I'd say I'm both the, uh, <laughs> you know, the cheap entertainment and the hardcore analysis.
0: No, no, that's harsh. <laughs> I, th- I think Jimmy provides insight when he picks up his analysis pencil. Yeah, I've reference.
1: always already given you analysis on the spider situation, so.
0: Yeah, so. Yes, Jimmy's not good with spiders, and he's got one in his room already. But the yeah. true professional is, he's carrying on without mentioning it once. How are we going to rate this race? We'll start with you, Jimmy.
1: I'd probably say seven. Um, at the start of the race, I thought it was pretty boring. Um, I thought that the only way that it could potentially be interesting is if Leclerc got past Verstappen. Um, but he just didn't have the pace. Um, but yeah, and then uh, Hamilton starting on the soft um, mediums, which was interesting, and Russell, so it sort of mixed it up a bit, and it looked like they could win, but then obviously it didn't. So yeah,
0: it it really did get interesting. It was a slow burner, but it burned into quite a big flame up until few safety and virtual safety cars towards the end. And do you agree with a seven, Joe, or are we going lower or higher? It's a bit like a card game, really.
2: I'd go seven. It was it was full of a uh, sort of tension and not really knowing what was going to happen. Um, it's kind of a shame that it didn't play out. It's kind of like Silverstone in that respect, where you'd have liked to have seen it play out with the strategy, but uh, I suppose what we got was exciting racing. So, yeah.
0: I think a good barometer of whether it's been a really exciting race or not is at the start of Ted's notebook because when it's been a good race, he usually says and breathe before he starts doing it um, and he did do it this week so clearly Ted would agree with both of you that it was a decent race above average and a seven out of ten I'm going with that we've got to analyze this race and that means we're going to play a bit of no breaks the order in which we will play uh, will begin with Joe it then goes to Jimmy and then myself okay and then it goes round again But I think we already know that Because we love a bit of no breaks And we're going to begin in three, two, one, Joe
2: So Max Verstappen got away cleanly from pole He pulled away with Charles Leclerc initially uh,
1: Jimmy uh, Yes So as Joe said uh, Verstappen pulled away and Leclerc followed him um, then <laughs> Hamilton nearly got oh, I, I say er uh, quite a lot usually, No you just so, absolutely
0: yeah. repeated everything that Joe said
1: which I found amusing but I'll let you carry on Hamilton nearly got taken out by Science or Science, Or oh, Hamilton nearly took out Science. Uh, and then it was going into a very interesting race, um, Mercedes were on the hard medium tyres with um, the Red Bulls and Ferraris on the softs that p- worked out very well for the Mercedes having to go longer into the race and then the Ferraris and Red Bulls had to pit it, and then Hamilton unleashed his true pace and it looked like a very interesting race was developing with um,
0: Mercedes on a one-stop strategy and Ferrari and Red Bulls drivers on a two-stop strategy. We can discount Carlos Sainz from the battle for this lead, mostly because Ferrari had a 20 second-ish pit stop in which they forgot one of their tyres. They forgot the fact that there are four tyres on a car rather than three and that all came about because they called him in at the last moment and in fact you might argue it was after the last moment because it was too late for the mechanics to react and that's why Carlos Sainz wasn't in the fray. However it was Charles Leclerc ever really in the fray it didn't look like Ferrari had the pace today it was all about Max Verstappen on what was going to be a two-stop strategy he was trying to pit as late as possible so that when he did finally pit he would come out behind the Mercedes yes he'd accepted that by now and you might say Red Bull have accepted that by now because it's a team game however with the fresher tyres you would think that Verstappen could come back at them first overtaking George Russell and then having it out with his old mate Lewis Hamilton however that was not to be because Yuki was the one that had a little bit of a problem when he came out of the pits he thought that there was a loose wheel So he stopped on the track and it looks like he undid his seatbelts because when he started the car again, having been told by his team that it was all right, you can carry on, he went into the pit lane, changed his tyres and then they spent what felt like a minute, could have been less, could have been more, but it was a significant amount of time in Formula 1 terms doing his seatbelts back up. They then let Yuki Tsunoda go out of the pit lane ...for him to say, yeah, there's still a problem here... ...and then he stopped on the side of the road... ...and that brought out a virtual safety car. Bit unneedling, a bit... Oh, no. I was doing so well then, but it's over to Joe.
2: So, this virtual safety car enabled both Max Verstappen... ...and the two Mercedes following him to pit... ...but they were still Max Verstappen on the hard tyre... ...the Mercedes on the mediums behind... ...this would give the Mercedes a pace advantage to the end... ...whereas Max Verstappen... Well, if as long as he could eke it out, he would have a durability advantage to the end. It was going to be an interesting finish. But then, just a few laps later, Valtteri Bottas grinded to a halt on the main straight. This brought out a full safety car. Not before we had a bit of a scary incident with Carlos Sainz making an overtake on Esteban Ocon while in the yellow flag area. And I've lost my train of thought. You were doing so
0: well there, but it's over to Jimmy. Can he take us over the line?
1: On AJ on the line. That incident that Joe was talking about actually caused a collision um, because Bottas was parked. I'm sorry, I'm going to jump in here because
0: I quite like winning. (laughs) And I tell you who else likes winning, Formula 1 drivers. There was a bit of a debate about whether Carlos Sainz should let Esteban Ocon back through or not in the end it turns out that the stewards thought that he didn't really need to let him back through although it was scary as Joe said and I think if there is a car on the side of the track you shouldn't be overtaking but it was so close between the yellow flowers coming out or not so if you're going to give them an inch they'll take a mile that's Formula One drivers for you back to the action at the front they're going through the pit lane are all of the cars the safety car was taking the drivers through the pit lane to oh that was repetition so I'm going to be fair and give it to Joe because I'm a sporting man like that
2: while going through the pit lane George Russell decided he wanted a cheeky quick pit stop onto the soft tires this meant that Max Verstappen overtook him so the the order was now Hamilton Verstappen Russell with Verstappen and Russell on the soft tires and Hamilton on the slower mediums this uh, go on, Jimmy.
1: This caused Verstappen to overtake Hamilton, unfortunately, or depending on if you, you like uh, Verstappen or not. Passed him on the main straight, straight after. Russell was quite far behind, which I found quite unusual. And then he Lewis got passed by Russell in quite a risky move, I'd say, by Russell, um, nearly crashing into the back of Hamilton. Um, and then Charles Leclerc um, overtook Hamilton as that well. That wasn't um, if I'm being... Okay, fair play, yeah. Sorry.
0: (laughs) No worries, mate. Charles Leclerc got past Lewis Hamilton as well. Off the podium, Lewis went, it could have been a race win, but it wasn't. It was down to fourth position. And he wasn't happy on the radio because there are two sides of looking at this. From George Russell's perspective, he did the right thing, pitting for fresher tyres that would give him P2 on the road. However, if Mercedes are looking at it, and they want to have a race win, their best chance was by having both of the cars up the top, trying to defend from Max Verstappen. It's a difficult one, isn't it, when a virtual safety car or a safety car comes out, because if you're in the lead, you are almost in the worst position, unless you've got a significant lead of about 20 seconds. In this case, Lewis didn't have that significant lead, uh, and it was a little bit like Abu Dhabi last year, really. He was vulnerable, and Daniel Ricciardo says he likes him vulnerable. That sounds a bit dodgy out of context, but fortunately, this is in context, so it's all right. And yeah, that's why Max Verstappen was able to... (laughs) the lead and and all those overtakes did happen in the end it was max verstappen that took the victory at home not far from amsterdam but it was at the beach in zandvoort and it looked like a great day out and a really well organized event so congratulations to him as we said on the last podcast yeah he's probably won this championship And he's probably going to set a record for the most amount of wins in a season as well. I think we've got some things to discuss, though, as you probably would imagine, having heard the different opinions come out over what happened in this weekend at the Dutch Grand Prix. I think I'll take that one. Are you going to give it to me? Yeah, why not? No. (laughs) Yeah, sorry for, for being clinical. With the ums, Jimmy, but...
2: No, I think you need to be. Jimmy got away with far too much last week. But that is I, my... Uh, I, I, I heard, it, I heard I, I, it back and... The
1: one thing I would say is that um is actually part of my vocabulary. I do use it a hell of a lot. You can so you can well, drive I it out of stopped. your vocabulary. It's against
2: the rules. I stop myself when I say uh... And you don't, and I feel like it's uh, it's not very sporting, I don't feel like. Saying er? Uh. Yeah, you're not supposed to say it in the, in the thing, and yeah, I stop I, myself and you don't.
1: I don't mean to do it, I mean it's not... Neither do know. I, that's yeah. the whole point that's of the, the game. game, Jimmy. Okay, fair play. I th- feel I'm losing this battle, so... I
0: feel that yeah. this could have been what the debrief looked like in Mercedes. Um, I said it, but the game is not on now, so I can say, um. anyway we've got some awards to give out. Biggest winner, Joe, we'll start with you.
2: Uh, You know what, I am going to go with George Russell. He drove from sixth to second, which is a good result in that car. Um, And for him, he made the right choice. You know, I think if if Lewis had made that choice on the tyres, we'd be going, oh, that's his experience coming in there to take the position. So, you know what, I think, biggest
0: winner yeah it was it was the right decision for him and yeah mm-hmm. ultimately ultimately mercedes supported that decision so um uh, yeah Toto wolf backed it as well he's got to um and yeah it was a good drive from george russell it was a great performance all round from mercedes really and they were unlucky not to get the victory uh do you agree with that jimmy i'd say so yeah definitely so are you giving george russell the biggest winner or are you
1: going elsewhere yeah, I'd probably say that Max Verstappen was the biggest winner. To be honest, you know, he it, sort of halfway through the race, it like he he had uh, a chance of not winning his home Grand Prix, um, and yeah, he was lucky to win, in my opinion. You,
0: yeah, you, you said that it would have been hilarious if uh, Max Verstappen hadn't won his home race in a Mercedes. Had so, it's probably a good job, really, given that ninety nine percent of the people there were there for one man. And that was Max Verstappen. I guess that's the thing about sport. I was was telling Joe that um, I've got a brilliant analogy coming around due to the way that football results are going at the moment. Arsenal, as we speak, have been really dominating Manchester United. They've had most of the possession. They've had most of the shots. And really, they should be up the road and, and winning like they have been for the season so far however Ma- Manchester United are 3-1 up at the moment unless scores have changed since
2: they've they've won it's full time oh is Dave it 1-3-1 they've won 3-1 yep. there you
0: go and it was due to three counter-attacks from Manchester United and it was almost like Max Verstappen had a bit of a counter-attack um when it matters he got the result and he did nothing wrong. Manchester United did nothing wrong. They they played well themselves. It's just that's the way sport is sometimes. It can be cruel on the person that seemingly should deserve to win, but it's not always about who deserves to win as, as we've seen many times as sports fans. So, um, yeah. Anyway, I disagree with both of you in terms of the biggest winner. Uh, while I do agree that they are fitting people I'm going to argue Oscar Piastri is the biggest winner of this weekend because he's got a formula 1 drive and that's something that a lot of us would dream of so are we going to talk about what happened I think we should uh, the contract <laughs> the contract recognition board that we were talking about at the beginning of this week um or last week I should say they ruled in favor of McLaren as having the only valid contract And that was a contract that was signed on the 4th of July with Oscar Piastri. So it would appear that McLaren had signed Piastri up the day after the British Grand Prix and many days before Daniel Ricciardo had said, I am going to stay at the team. Now, to people saying that's a bit snaky by McLaren, I think that the Daniel Ricciardo post on Instagram saying, I am going to stay at the McLaren next year, that is something that he had to do to show that he was not going to leave McLaren for free. It was just, Mm. it was just him making a public statement to ensure that McLaren were going to pay him 20 odd million um, of whatever currency they pay him in uh, because that's what he had to do in that moment. I think he knew they have been quite clear about it. Uh, He's obviously not surprised by the dates, uh, but It's not about Daniel Ricciardo this weekend. It's about Oscar Piastri. So congratulations to him. A great talent. And it will be interesting to see how he performs alongside Lando Norris in a car that a proven great driver in Daniel Ricciardo has struggled so much. I think also Alpine... Well... They're not my biggest losers this weekend they, they came out with even more egg on their face than they already had Because it would appear that um, Without them knowing Two of their drivers Had sodded off
2: um, I think on paper it's a great deal um, He's one of the Most exciting talents We've had come in since Say Charles Leclerc and George Russell Daniel Ricciardo struggled in a car And we know how in that car And we know how good he can be so it's a, it's I think it's also a bit of a, it is a risk from Oscar Piastri, like because he's burnt his bridges at you know a a, a manufacturer, a, a big team. So whether that will pay off in the future, who knows? And he's also set himself like quite a high benchmark as well against Lando Norris. So
0: how do you think he will get on in your heart of hearts, Jimmy?
1: Um, I think he'll struggle actually. I think Lando's at one with that team and he knows the car very well. And I think that it's quite a brave decision of Oscar Piastri to to go to to McLaren. Um, The one thing I would say is that Alpine have shot themselves in the foot. I mean, it sounds like it was all of this um, sort of moving about was initiated by Alonso. um, And Alpine just thought, you know, we can get Piastri in straight away. However, it didn't quite work like that. And it sort of probably took Piastri for granted because if Alonso and Ocon stayed there, he wouldn't get a drive anywhere else probably next year. Um, it Yeah, it sounds like they were
0: messing around both Alonso and Piastri and so they, they both got a bit fed up of it and they've left them with only Esteban Ocon. But do you think that it could actually end okay for Alpine despite the embarrassment because it looks like they've got Pierre Gasly coming their way?
1: Yeah, um, I've heard the only one stumbling block with that is they want quite a lot from um, AlphaTauri or Red Bull want quite a lot to release him from his contract. So that might be a stumbling block. But yeah, it makes sense because he's a, dri- a French driver and it's a French team. So good for marketing, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I, and then the other thing is whether Al- AlphaTauri can get in a decent replacement. I think Helmut Marco said Gazzy is not leaving unless they get in an exciting talent and it sounds like he's already agreed terms with Colton Herter but he needs to get uh, the FIA super license Who is he Colton Herter
1: Yeah forgive me for my He's ignorance. an
0: indie car driver who is very much exciting but he's also of the win it and bin it or well <laughs> the win it or bin it sort of driver as well
1: So you've got Sonoda and another person who is potentially the same Yes perfect what could go wrong (laughs) yeah um, I think that IndyCar is quite a dangerous thing I think Um, I don't think driving an IndyCar and driving a Formula 1 car are very different beasts and I think that yeah he may be a very exciting talent but I don't know
0: I think that's been the problem with getting American drivers in in general that kind of view from Mm. the European side Uh, but I think it would be great for F1 if they can get an American in and that's why Colton Herter is. He's probably also been signed up by McLaren knowing Zach Brown um, mm-hmm. because Zach yeah. Brown tends to sign everyone up. What do you What do you reckon the, the rest of the driver market's going to look like? What's going to happen with Mick Schumacher? Um, what about Daniel Ricciardo? Is he going to become a Mercedes test driver? Take a year out? I wouldn't have thought so. Yeah,
1: potentially. I mean, that's a way to get into a top team, isn't it?
0: That's the rumour that... that that offer is on the table for him if he can't get into, well, it looks like Hassel Williams for Daniel Ricciardo, doesn't it? If Alpine aren't interested in him initially. Maybe he goes to Alpine if Colton Herter can't get the super licence and therefore Pierre Gassi can't be released.
1: Well, yeah, it's a a tricky situation. I mean, I don't know if Mercedes want that Formula E world champion in the Williams because they need to succession plan. That Uh, Formula E world champion being... Nick, Nick De, Vries. De Vries. Yeah. yeah, it just drops in my head, yeah. Um, so, yeah, probably Haas is the most likely option, I'd say. I don't know. What do you reckon, Joe?
0: What's your updated prediction?
2: Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I said last week I thought Danny Rick would go to Alpine, but I think it is looking like that's going to be Pierre Gasly. Um, I don't know, where would Mick Schumacher go if... Uh...
0: Maybe Williams?
2: Do you and Mick would go to Williams? Oh, I don't know. I think Williams would possibly rather go with... Um, De Vries. De Vries, yeah.
0: Why not put Jamie Chadwick in a Williams? That's a very good point. She's I not been an F2 yet, to be fair.
2: Yeah, not been an F2, I, I was going to say. So, I think she'd have to... I mean, she certainly deserves, like, an F2 seat, but... I think F1's a bit of a stretch at the moment.
0: I think, by the sounds of it, she's probably going to look at the American route. Um, she's potentially going to have a test in Indy Lights uh, mm-hmm. coming up. So, yeah, it's a shame that she's not progressing as quickly because she's so talented. It's so obvious. Uh, but there you go. Um, that is the driver market. Oscar Piastri's my biggest winner. But George Russell and Max Verstappen also can have shout-outs. Biggest loser, though? For me, it's simple, as Jose Mourinho has said on multiple occasions. <laughs> um, um, it also feels like something Nicky Lauda would say. For me, it's simple. Um, Carlos Sainz is the biggest loser. Everything that yeah could- definitely <laughs> everything that could have gone wrong, other than him breaking down, did go wrong. Uh, being called into a pit stop, having no tyres, unsafe release, um, having the faff around about overtaking someone and then Valtteri Bottas is sat on the side right next to where you are overtaking Esteban Ocon uh yeah really unlucky
2: late safety car when you've got a five second penalty yep that's uh you know always uh, a killer when you get a time penalty and the field just gets bunched up right behind you
1: yeah I, I don't mean to be rude to Ferrari but they seem like they haven't got the foggiest at the moment They, they go. They Lando pits onto the hard tyres, and he's out there for about twenty laps. And then Ferrari suddenly think, "Wow, his pace is good," and then they should really be identifying it a bit sooner. And then they're on to they think that Plan C is the right thing to do. And they're stuck with Plan C this week. I mean, usually it's down to Plan J or something like that, or Z. <laughs> or as just Ted
0: seems... Kravitz said, Plan O M G.
1: Yeah, and as you said, as you said before, you know, they forgot that <laughs> four wheels go onto a car, and they also leave the wheel gun out in the middle of the road so people can run over it. It just seems like they've just gone absolutely. They've just given up. I think they just, yeah, it's just crazy, isn't it?
0: They weren't as slick as Mercedes and Red Bull. I say that. Um, Mercedes were slick most of the way, and I think George Russell made the right decision or reflection.
1: The one thing I'd also say, I know I'm talking quite a lot at the moment. That's um, fine. You're on a podcast. Brilliant. Um, (laughs) Is that today it got back my sort of, not love for F1, I've always loved F1, but the sort of high level F1 where, you know, you've got two teams that are really on it strategically, and you know that they're going to make the best decisions. I know Mercedes didn't in the end, potentially. But it just, it took me back to 2021, where it was just a great, great season. Yeah, I know
0: what you mean. I had that kind of feeling as well. It it was genuinely exciting. It wasn't just sitting there thinking, well, Max Verstappen's going to dominate, but how are Ferrari going to make this easy for him this time? Um, yeah. Instead, it was the safety cars. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> that was... But, yeah, it, it did ruin the race, Having the safety cars out, but Carlos Sainz was unlucky. Joe, who was your biggest loser?
2: Carlos Sainz. I mean, it has to be. Yeah. I mean, no, how can that much bad stuff happen to someone in a race and they not be the biggest loser?
0: To be fair, you're right. I've just remembered what I was going to say. Ferrari said that their predictions were that... Um, Leclerc would finish fourth and he finished third so at least the, mm. their pessimistic view on uh, he was, was
2: spared a bit by the safety car at yeah, the end though I mean he, he would was. have been fourth
0: he would not have been not
2: for that so yeah
0: it's it's just a little shout out to things being better than expected for Ferrari so it's, <laughs> it's unusual uh, but I do find it funny when they they say to Leclerc or science, right, so we we are predicting with our strategy that we'll finish fourth. It's like, great, so uh, <laughs> I've got, I'm, I'm in an F1 race and my team has said, right, we're happy with fourth place now.
1: No. Mm. The other thing that I found quite interesting was Bonotto at the start of the race. He didn't really have much fight in him and he just seemed to sort of throw people under the bus. So, if a driver makes a mistake, he throws them under the bus. If the mechanics make a mistake, they throw—he throws them under the bus. It just—it's not very team principle-like of him. You'd never get Toto Wolff. He might be pissed off, but you never get Toto Wolff slagging off his mechanics or drivers, would you?
0: No, you're right. You're right.
1: So, and yeah, nor Christian he's, he's... Horner, to be fair. True. Yeah. Definitely, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. So, your biggest loser, Jimmy. Probably have to say Ferrari from that monologue, uh, ranting monologue that I had just had.
0: So so this has been a section in which we took the mick out of Ferrari. Um, yeah, indeed. <laughs> nice to have you. Um, grazie a tutti. Um, moment of the weekend, we'll stick with you, Jimmy.
1: My moment of the weekend, it probably have to be the overtake between... Um, schumacher and vettel going into the final sector yeah it was just a great clean racing respect from both drivers and it's probably a good job they didn't crash because they're quite good friends so it probably make it quite awkward but yeah great respectful racing from both of them and it was a really good move from uh, schumacher
0: so is that sort of racing going to keep him
1: in i hope one so next yeah year. i think he deserves it i think Hass have been if they drop him i think it's I, obviously it's n- not all Hass's decision it's ferrari as well but i think that he's had a good season this year against a season's driver who's had a lot of experience in formula one um but yeah he could have improved here and there but it's just a bit of a bit of a shame really be good to go to williams i think
0: yeah um uh, but we will see what happens on that front um uh, but yeah great shout. Joe? Uh, I'm
2: going to go with a moment that was almost added to by the fact that I was watching it in a restaurant with no volume. Um, and it was uh, Lewis Hamilton overtaking Sergio Perez quite early on in the race mm. um, because he sort of launched an attack. Uh, Perez just managed to keep the place by locking up and going very deep into turn one. Um, but you were like, ah. Oh. Lewis, will get him next lap. Nearly got him on the on the back straight, uh, and then, then it looked like he had a relatively easy overtake on the um, on that lap. Got past him, but then Sebastian Vettel just pops pops out of the pits and just doesn't get out of the way. And oh uh, yeah, I've how have I that, forgotten
0: yeah. that?
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, and was, what are you doing? Um, so yeah. It sort of and Paris nearly got back past because of that, um, and it was it was all very exciting and it had me almost standing up in the middle of a restaurant. What going, restaurant
0: was it? What
2: what's going on here? Uh, it was an Italian place, so obviously. Uh, oh, I love an you know. Italian. Well, yeah, but I wasn't. I was in Ferrari territory.
1: Did you explain to them how terrible Ferrari were at the moment in time, or not? Uh,
2: no, I didn't. Just oh, launch right. into a random lecture at a <laughs> waiter who was probably from Manchester, not Italy. Oh um, right,
1: I see.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, yep yeah, that that was an exciting moment. I've got to say, uh, Joe being at the restaurant and Sebastian Vettel I mean, kind of holding. I mean, of all
2: people, you wouldn't expect Of all people, people who from him. should know how blue flags work i mean my
0: dad said that <laughs> blue flags <laughs> it, it, it reminded me of um i know you don't like top gear joe but when jeremy clarkson is driving through france and he's like get out of the way come on what are you doing That's <laughs> um i could just imagine that sort of meme has been used on the internet somewhere but any other things happened in that race. So people might have forgotten it as I momentarily did. I must admit, uh, but great shout. Uh, I I'm going to say for my moment, Yuki Tsunoda's weird retirement, just because no one really knew what was going on. And to be fair, it probably had an influence. Well, it did have an influence on the race up front. So, <laughs> so, so you with all your tinfoil hats going on, um, I bet you love that um an alpha going back out to retire where he could have retired in the pit lane um and then having the Red Bulls chief strategist laughing as that happened it, it did look a little bit dodgy, but i don't I don't believe it was anything cynical really um it it was just what you get in Formula One sometimes a moment of madness. To be fair, usually it's from a different Italian team, but this time it was Alfa um, Yeah, so some great moments. And there have been some good moments this weekend because it's Formula 1. Uh, right, honourable mention. I'm shouting out Lewis Hamilton because I think my bold prediction that Joe said was pretty silly could have come true. He was Mercedes' best chance and he was Arsenal in that Manchester United match. Yes, he lost, but he was dominating popping in some great lap times um almost a second quicker than Verstappen for large periods of that race and that's Verstappen in a Red Bull yes Mercedes that is a track that suits their car more because there's not much straight and a lot of corners but yeah Lewis drove well so did George um but Lewis was the quicker driver this weekend he just
1: didn't get the result Jimmy your honourable mention I'd say Lewis Hamilton he should have won, shouldn't he? Or at least he had a chance of winning, but unfortunately things happened and he didn't quite make it, did he?
0: What but, do you reckon the reception would have been like
1: at the Dutch Grand Prix had Hamilton won? I think there would just be loads and loads of people just leave the, the stadium, I think.
2: Oh, um, I think it would have been fine. They have, all, They all know Max is going to win this year. Uh, yeah,
1: I don't think it would be. I mean, I didn't know if you heard, but the rules when Leclerc passed Hamilton, I get Verstappen passing Hamilton, but when Leclerc passed Hamilton, it, was sort of, it just highlights that they don't very much like him. Leclerc
0: um, is a highly rated and supported driver, but then again, he's also meant to be Max Verstappen's biggest rival this year.
1: Exactly. So, yeah, I think there would have been a lot of booze to be honest, but there we go. I mean,
0: yeah. Joe's going to shout out someone and give his honourable mention.
2: Well, we've given them a bit of stick this podcast, but I'll go with Alpine. I thought you were going to um, say Ferrari. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was not going to go with Ferrari. they're beyond uh, any kind of uh, shout out here. But no, Alpine, I mean, Fernando Alonso, 13th to 6th. Uh, Esteban Ocon, 12th to 9th. Um, I think it's actually pretty clear that that's the fourth fastest car at the moment. Um and, you know, it's all well and good saying they've been a bit mugged off by these two drivers leaving them. But, I mean, they re- they're a manufacturer and they've got a really solid car. I do wonder if the the two drivers going to regret leaving it. Because they really do seem to have quite a solid car at the moment. And it's, this is another double points finish for them. Um, I think in an earlier podcast I went and like had a look at how many double... Points finish they had and at the time it was a lot And they've had more since So um, easily the most Consistent midfield team Going
0: Two better performing drivers than McLaren have
2: Yep definitely I, d- I do wonder if people are going to regret leaving them But we'll see
0: Good, good shout on Alpine Joe uh, Right It's time for the AJ on the line Line of the
1: week And we well as ever begin with Jimmy actually I think we tend to a lot. So my uh, AJ on the line line of the week is from uh, Lewis Hamilton and um I'll s- save you the uh profanities but No you um, can if you it want. because the marathon's coming up can soon I? I need some donations. Yeah. Okay, no worries, we'll do. Um so he said you guys f- me there didn't you. So yeah, and that was <laughs> that, that that was Hamilton being quite angry obviously. Um but to be fair to Mercedes, I'm not sure quite what they could have done. It was Russell's call, and Russell would have been in exactly the same position as Hamilton. And I reckon Verstappen's pace would be enough to overtake them both in the last 12 laps. So I don't think it matters that much. But yeah, I do get why he's angry, for sure. I
2: think they could have told Lewis that George was going to box. I don't yeah. know if there was enough time for that, but...
1: Hmm. And and the, I think
0: that the point that Nico Rosberg was making... Uh, I tend to agree with him on this if you're going to take the risk of leaving lewis out and and taking track position to try and go for the race win you might as well go whole hog for the race win rather than doing it half-hearted and and just leaving him vulnerable um, mm. because while verstappen probably would have done the same thing george russell did on, on the first straight it might have given lewis a few laps um to get his tires warmed up and it could have been a two three rather than a two four um and yeah mm-hmm. I, I also think it was a great shout from russell but if you are going to pit russell and put him on the soft tires make sure he's right on the back of backs for stepping at the race restart nibbling his heels. Yeah, it's a very good point because what what was he doing just slowing down um and well he, he clearly wasn't on it um Mm. So yeah, I
2: think that Red Bull's just too fast in a straight line, though, it, isn't it? I mean, it, it it is. Every other car was making it look difficult to overtake down that main straight, and the Red Bulls were
0: flying path. Already
2: passed before the first corner.
0: You're right. Um, and yeah, it was it was a difficult one because they were stuck between a, a rock and a hard place. Mercedes, um, as you often are when you've got the lead and a, a safety car comes out. But yeah, if if you're going for the win, go for it and and give yourself the best chance rather than kind of going for it with one driver and then not with the other. Do you think Valtteri Bottas does that? He probably doesn't make the call that George Russell has because George Russell is very good at making those sorts of calls from the car. Um, mm. But do you get more points as a team? Probably. And at the end of the day, Mercedes are competing for pride this year. And it's not like they've, they've got a championship to think about. So, so Yeah for me why not go for it anyway we move on to my aj on the line line of the week and sorry to take another dig at ferrari but it was rather amusing um one person tweeted uh suddenly electric wheel guns are looking more attractive with some teams already using them in f2 that was after sergio perez had ran over um the wheel guns that had been left out by ferrari so electric wheel guns, I assume, are wheel guns that don't have the the long leads. They can just be, they're 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 just guns alone, pistols Back to if you power will. To, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then someone quote tweeted that. Well, you might as well say replied to that by saying Ferrari would forget to charge them, <laughs> which made me laugh a, a little bit because it's, it's so true.
1: <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah, um, it is definitely
0: Jimmy. We've had your OJ on the line, line of the week, um, but Joe, we haven't yet, so so we'll go with you.
2: I'm going to go with um, Crofty and Ted's strange yes. little argument that they had um, during one of the practice sessions, um, where Ted told them to go to a break, and Crofty then asked him if he was uh, producing the show now. And then they just sort of broke down into a sort of awkward argument that they tried to disguise as matey banter, but it wasn't really fooling anyone. Um, so I don't, I don't really know what happened there, but yeah.
0: Yeah, I I think Ted Kravitz quite often um, is with the producer and he, I know in, in, Past races, he has given his guidance on, on whether or not to go to an ad break, uh, particularly during his ITV days when they had ad breaks in the middle of races. Mm-hmm. Um, in that's fa-
1: crazy. That is God ad breaks in the middle of races. Do you not Remember? No, but that just seems crazy. Like you could, like you could go back to the race and there could be like five people had a crash and you didn't know. Yeah, and you
0: just watch it in a replay. And that's why, fortunately, we've not been with ITV since. 2008. Great year that. Um, I mean, you, anyway. should
2: try watching the, uh, you should try watching the Indy 500 on an American channel. Oh, it's every five laps or so. That's just which, American
0: you know, sport in general, which is why it's very yeah. stop-start-y, high um, score count uh,
1: so that you don't miss yeah. out on too much. Where <laughs> but obviously is Where the Indy is
2: 500 it? isn't but, but, you know. They whereas, try and uh, flog
1: you all sorts of things in America. I mean, they're bizarre adverts like, you know, uh, Botox. Oh, great. Jimmy's
2: off on a tangent.
1: (laughs) But they do, though. I remember when I was in the States and they're just loads of bizarre adverts that don't make any sense. And it's quite obviously a voiceover. And, you know, nobody's actually speaking in it. It's just people miming and being, yeah. I mean, it's a short rant and it's offered a tangent, but I mean, you know, it is quite frustrating.
0: Uh, Yeah, and I'm sure it was for uh, the producer with Ted and crofty having that little bit of an argument about whether or not an ad break would come up um but yeah i remember well, i remember hearing about you know in Imola when alonso and schumacher were having that long battle are they going to overtake mm-hmm. or are they not going to overtake apparently they went to ted and and said shall we do an ad break and he said no they're probably, if they are going to have it, they're going to have it out in the coming laps. And they had to get one more ad break in for legal reasons um before the end of the race. So I think it got to like two laps before the end and it went to an ad break and everyone was complaining because there was an ad break on and everyone was like, oh no, but they had to get it in somewhere anyway. They do do ad breaks in practice and isn't it a great job that they don't do it during Races, uh yeah. So great shout from Joe. <laughs> that was a funny moment, um, but I suppose the AJ on the line line of the week can be dialogue as well, and that was the case there. Anyway, we've done the Dutch Grand Prix, as have the F1 drivers and teams, and they'll be heading over to Monza, lovely a lovely town, just 20 minutes on the train, outside of Milan. Um, a voice of experience speaking here, and there's a race there in the weekend that is coming up so we've got to do some predictions for that the sensible prediction from me red bull are going
1: to win Mm, definitely
2: i mean i can't that's that's the same as me i mean have you seen how fast that thing is in a straight line it's
1: quick it
0: is uh what's your what's your sensible prediction jimmy are you in agreement with us on that or
1: i'd have to say yes
0: okay not much versatility here on our part but
1: Actually, it's pretty clear. Ask me, that, ask, ask me that question again. I've got a got a uh, 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 got another idea. What's your other idea? I you wait and see. My sensible prediction is a alpine podium. Sense. Oh well,
0: alpine are quite quick on the straights. They were mm. s- amazing in Belgium, weren't they? Well, we will see, won't we? If that's the sensible prediction, I can't wait for your bold prediction already, Jimmy. Um,
1: in fact, I can't wait to the point. that I'm going to ask for you, you for it now. So my bold prediction would probably be Red Bull lap the entire field because they're so quick. Mm, does, it's a short lap. Does Ver, yeah.
0: Does Verstappen lap Perez as well or
1: not? No, I, I don't count that. But I mean, one of the so Verstappen laps all the field except the other Red.
0: Bull. Right. Okay, it's possible because they're
1: just so quick. I mean, remember there are some corners. <laughs> there are, but it's a massive straight, isn't it? Two massive straights. Well, a few massive straights. Well, three, probably. Three or four, actually. Because you've got that curly... <laughs> maybe five, <bit. laughs>
2: maybe six.
1: There are a few straights there. Some you've got longer than others. as well, haven't you? That's full throttle,
0: yeah. Oh, but curva grande. Is it going That's to be a grande the move? Don't
2: say it, Adam. No. <laughs> there might be.
0: But is it going to be a grande move from for, for Ferrari at their home track?
2: No, I reckon one of them will break down and one of them will finish sixth. Is
0: that your bold That's prediction? That's not even my
2: bold prediction. No, no, <laughs> I've just I've just said that.
0: <laughs> it's just going to happen, isn't it? Uh, my, my bold yeah. prediction is that Alex Albon's going to be back in the points.
2: Oh, you stole mine. Did I? You're, well, I was going to say that I was, I was going to go for Williams double points because that Williams... Uh, Fast in a straight line. It went really well around Spa, which is normally quite a good indicator of who's going to be good around Monza. So, yeah. So
0: it just shows, doesn't it? Great minds do think alike.
2: Uh, <laughs> disappointing.
0: Yes, indeed. But we've given you our predictions for the Italian Grand Prix in just a few days' time. Right, so I guess it's time for the takeover. What, what's on your mind, Joe?
2: Uh, well... It's a topic that you know I love, and it's really been in the news this week, so I'm going to have to talk about it. V-A-R. Ah, oh, when... Uh, I mean, where do I even begin? For those
0: who don't know what VAR is, Joe... Uh,
2: that, that, I suppose, is where I begin. Um, VAR is the, <laughs> the video assistant referee that uh, is there to correct uh, they can't see my air quotes um
0: (laughs) we can hear them though
2: (laughs) you can hear to correct the sort of incorrect decisions in football the problem is that unlike say tennis or cricket where the technology is to to, there to determine would this ball have gone out would this ball have hit the stumps it's not as black and white in that in fo- as that in football. You can't say, oh, yeah, that's a red card challenge. Or it's impossible to determine precisely whether someone's offside because you can't tell exactly when the ball's been released. Basically, it just doesn't work as well in a sport where it's not as black and white. Um, it's and like Formula
0: been- One. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah, you can't say what is a penalty and what isn't there appears and the problem is there appears to be no consistency and the main problem with VAR at the moment is that the referee makes a decision on field and then a completely different referee that's watched the same incident goes well I think you've got that wrong but it's just the opinion of another referee and if you ask the uh, referee on the field they might not say they've got it wrong so I think it's Something needs to change about the way it's being used. Because that is the problem. It's not the technology itself. It's the way it's being used. I mean, again, te- like, tackles look a lot worse in slow motion than they do in in full motion. So why are we having referees stare at a slow motion replay for a minute and a half?
0: And it breaks up the game.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it- it's it's awful. Awful. I want it aren't it banned it it is
1: interesting because with rugby you can hear what the referee says and what the uh what the sort of is it a third referee in football assistant referee or fourth official the fourth official you can hear the dialogue between them so you can hear the decision making and they always ask to see it in full they the referee on the pitch always asks to see it in full motion instead of slow-mo because of that exact point. So yeah. I think that they can learn football can learn a lot of things from those sports, especially rugby because obviously the dialogue's really important for the fans so they know what's going on and they know the why the decisions being made.
2: I think the most important thing should be that slow motion replay should be banned and referees should be given a maximum of 30 seconds possibly probably even less. I'd, I'd go about 10 seconds to See the decision because if you can't Determine something's wrong in that time Then then you just stick with the on-field Decision
1: Yeah. Anything to add Jimmy? No I think it's sensible The other thing with uh, rugby is that They do it as sort of A subconscious thing So there's the fourth official Looking at everything throughout the game And then if he sees something that he doesn't like He brings it to the referee's attention And that sort of speeds up the process as well because it doesn't it doesn't have to go to the referee and then the referee goes to the fourth official. It's that sort of thing. And sort of n- notifies the referee of wrongdoing and then they can sort something out.
0: Yeah, makes sense. Uh, and sports need to learn from each other at the end of the day, don't they? Uh, to, to improve the overall game for the fans. Because clearly Joe is not happy. He's not in a good way. Um, he is
2: not happy. Not at all. What
0: was the worst moment the VAR produced this week then, in your opinion?
2: Uh, it's got to be... West Ham's disallowed goal against Chelsea. That was an absolutely baffling decision. Um, I, I can't see in what universe that's given as a foul. And the fact, the, fact that, the fact that professional referees have watched several replays of that and come to the conclusion that it's a foul, I mean, it's embarrassing
0: on that note we'll move to jimmy who's also got something on his mind well not much i don't really
1: have much on my mind most of the time is it money However, no 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 that's money a song on as well. my mind. exactly by uh who's it but i don't know anyway we're getting bogged down i think it's neo um, is it yeah um but mine is about the hundred uh, which is a, a short format cricket game uh the the final was on oh last night actually nah. Yes, yeah, Saturday, Saturday. Um, and it's just really good. How I was quite sceptical, it to start with, I thought it's just a bit of a gimmick. But it's amazing how much sort of interest it's brought to the game. It's more of a spectacle than any other cricket game. You know, you've got Test matches and that sort of thing, but which I love. Um, but I think the hundred just it's something fresh, and it's it's getting quite a lot of international attention as well. There's international players coming along playing in it, um, which is good, and it's just sort of increasing the um popularity of cricket and i think anything that does that's a really good thing yeah
0: so
2: i'm still against it i'm a purist so do you want to talk
1: us through what the difference is then
2: yeah so in
1: in traditional formats of the game that joe's talking about just just to put this to bed what do you mean as a purist joe do you mean like just test cricket or you know odis and t20s
2: I mean, I guys in T20s as well. But, yeah, well, I'd I mean, argue you. I feel would... like I feel like the hundred uh, detracts from uh, you know you know it because it's such a short format. It detracts from the proper technique, and batsmen don't get you know enough time playing Test match cricket, which is the best format of cricket.
1: It is. I agree. Yeah. But I think all these other formats, ODIs, T20s, they've all spawned because test cricket's a bit too long and it's quite difficult to get people interested mm. in cricket for five days. I think the fact that it, it, yeah it, it is true though I mean so yeah I, just to uh, address Adam's question, um, <coughs> the 100 is a shorter format of a game where bowlers bowl in five or 10 um, blocks instead of the overs system. And obviously there's a hundred balls. Um, and the other thing is, that's interesting is that when you're out, usually instead of the new batsman going to the non strikers end, they're on strike, um, for the first delivery, which means, so that, that makes it interesting because the bowlers have first, a first go at the new batsman, um, which is sort of a reward for the bowler as well, which is good because they get a fresh batsman and that sort of thing. um, but yeah, I, I, I take Joe's point on, but I think you have to adapt to the changing circumstances. And, you know, test cricket's brilliant, but if you want to get young people engaged in cricket, I think that's perfect. Yes, you know, it'd be brilliant if they were in test cricket, in, interested in test cricket and other formats of the game. However, I think getting them involved in cricket to start with is the important bit, and then you can introduce them to test matches and that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, it, it's been really good and it also um increases revenues as well because i think that quite a lot of overseas players are over here as well and do you want to shout out the winners it was the oval oval invincibles for the women's and it was the trent rockets for the men well congratulations to both of those
0: teams um
1: and when
0: is it on next summer again then yeah, it's on for about a month. August, I main. It's clearly a success. I, I remember last year having a chat with one of the hundred players for Birmingham. Um, yeah, who was it? I can't remember. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know enough about cricket. <laughs> I I was I was in Birmingham. In Birmingham, look at that. Yeah, and we had a chat. Uh, but anyway, yes. Before we say goodbye, though, I want to shout out Serena Williams, one of the greatest sports people of all time. Uh, played her last US Open this weekend, um, and she's up there as one of the best athletes, isn't she? Definitely. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, to be fair, her, Venus, uh, Djokovic, Federer, Nadal, Michael Jordan, Lewis Hamilton, uh, Tiger Woods. Or...
1: Venus is still going, isn't she? Yeah, Venus yeah, Williams.
0: They're all in the same kind of bracket, aren't they? LeBron. Yeah.
2: Mm.
0: Ronaldo. You yeah, haven't Messi, Messi or
2: Ronaldo, yeah.
0: Don't you worry, I have. Anyway, yeah, shout-out to Serena. you think Serena. she'll start
1: talking to... Uh, martin brundle now she's retired or not.
0: <laughs> i thought it was venus that was the problem or maybe it's both of them who knows yeah
1: they're both together
0: i mean yeah <laughs> maybe that's why sure. martin brundle wasn't present she might she might have invited him to uh, the us open yeah He wasn't at to the give like the second.
1: final interview
0: yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> two seconds for sky sports yeah British TV. very well i ah, oh, wouldn't that have been great if he'd done the final interview at the us open No one would have got it other than F1 fans. So that's the problem. (laughs)
2: Uh,
0: Anyway, we'll speak to you in Italy um, in a bit. Uh, So thank you everyone for listening. Thank you, Joe and Jimmy, for having a chat with us today and your time. Um, But yeah, follow us on TikTok, AJ on the line, Instagram at AdamJW44. Uh, on Twitter at uh, AJ underscore on the underscore line and go to AJOnTheLine.com to read articles and look at some other podcasts that are available. We're also on Apple Podcast, Spotify and wherever else you'd like to listen to your podcast. This has been a good one. I thought last week was quite good as well. Um, but that's the great thing about the triple headers. we got another great one coming in a week's time well hopefully we'll see how we get on uh so i will say uh bedank because that's dutch and we'll see you in the park di monza grazie ragazzi ciao de ragazzi and have de